0: the game. You don't play to just play. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm for you. Can't wait. Let's go.
1: Good morning and welcome. It is Coffee and Sports. It is the morning show. And it is the Friday before the Super Bowl. Thank you so much for making us part of your morning routine, whether you are watching us live on Facebook right now or live on YouTube. We are glad that you are here on this Friday. I am Chris, and of course, that over there, that is Mo. Mo, how are
0: you this morning, sir? Doing great, ready, getting ever close, already making those plans for what we're going to be eating um, Super Bowl day. I, 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 I talked about it last night uh sideline to sideline with the guys we are going to be having chili cheese fries pulled pork sandwiches and wings are you a bone in or bone out kind of guy Mo I'm a bone in guy I want the me juices. too like why do that. you
1: want why do you want chicken tenders or chicken nuggies with right. sauce I, on them right I can go through the drive-thru and get those correct correct that's what I'm saying that's what I'm yeah. saying are now do you dip them or do you just eat them as they are? I could go either way. When they're really oh, good, too. I could go either me way. Too. Me too. Now, I will say, and I, I some people don't agree with me, and I, I just think they haven't lived life enough. I like blue cheese, Mo. But there are different types of blue cheese that exist out there. They're like, there's good blue cheese, and then there's like really bad blue cheese.
0: Yeah. Like, Almost d- bitter to the fifth power. Like Correct. But really right. bad stuff. Oh, it, my it, my it, wife does not like blue cheese. I love blue cheese. Got it. See, see, we're, that's why we're partners. That's why exactly. we're partners here. Mo,
1: NFL awards were announced this week. Let's get into it. There were a couple of surprises in there. There were a couple of not surprises in there. Uh, maybe the biggest surprise of the NFL awards, not because we didn't think he deserved it. We just didn't think it was going to go to him. And that was comeback player of the year going to Joe Flacco. I think we assumed that the NFL was going to give it to Demar Hamlin because yeah. of everything that happened with Demar Hamlin, and we had the conversation here. We had the conversation of did Demar earn it based on the stat line that he put up this season? No, he he, he isn't a everyday player. He isn't an every down player. He right. he's, that's not what he is. We thought he earned it based on the fact of. My guy basically died on the field, was brought back to life, and played football again. We said that, you know, obviously, those circumstances aren't going to happen maybe ever again. Correct. And even though if we were voting on it, we might vote for somebody else, like a Flacco or a Baker Mayfield, we understood if they gave it to Hamlin just based on extenuating circumstances. I'm happy Joe Flacco got it, personally. I got
0: no problem with it.
1: I think that if you, what better comeback story is there than a guy who one one weekend is sitting at home playing with his kids, throwing the ball in the backyard to his dad and his brother, and the next weekend he's winning football games for the Cleveland Browns, and six weeks later he has them in the playoffs. That's a comeback story, Mo.
0: That's a great story, and look, Flacco helped save the Cleveland Browns season. He he gave their fans hope. Um, they had a great they ended up having a really good season. It could have easily been one of those seasons where they didn't win more than five or six games, and and you knew your fate long before we were getting around to the playoffs. So for him to come up out of his couch from playing with his kids and not just not just be like a game manager, like Flacco was flinging the football. Like, he was very very aggressive. He was very effective. And he, he really gave them a lot of hope in that city. So he he's more than deserving. And, and like you pointed out, we both thought sentimentally I would have understood it if Hamlin had gotten it. And I wouldn't have had a problem with it. But the fact that they gave to Flacco, he was deserving because of what he did on the field.
1: Well, Flacco played like Shane Falco. He played like their. Your- <laughs> He played like there was no tomorrow. And let's be honest, there may not be a tomorrow for Joe Flacco. This season, those six games, that run to the playoffs, that might be it. And every week he went out there, Mo, and he played like this is it. Like I am not going to be starting tomorrow. Like once the season comes to an end, this, this could be completely it for me. It is what it is. Let the chips fall where they may. That's how he played all of those games he was successful in most playoffs didn't go you know as he might have hoped but it doesn't take away from the story coach of the year one of the closest coach of the year votes of all time it was actually a tie uh, the tie was decided by first place votes and Kevin Stefanski got one more first place vote than D'Amico Ryans and as a result Kevin Stefanski is coach of the year. Now, I know Texan fans are upset this morning. I know that they felt that their coach did a lot more with a team whose expectations were a lot less. But let me tell you this right now, Mo. I don't know of another coach or another team that could survive when they hit their fourth quarterback option in a season and make the playoffs. It's impressive to make the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. I agree. It's impressive to make the playoffs with a rookie head coach. In fact, I don't believe any rookie head coach combo has ever made the playoffs before in their first season. That's impressive. I will give you that. Getting to the playoffs, when you lose your franchise quarterback, your highest paid quarterback six games into the season, and then you go through a backup and a third string, and you have to go to a fourth string quarterback who wasn't on your team halfway through the season, who wasn't on any team halfway through the season. He was not in the league. And you make the playoffs, Mo. I don't know how he couldn't be coach of the year, keeping that together and not allowing it to fall apart. Because, Mo, had it completely fallen apart after Deshaun Watson, we would have sat here and said, they lost their franchise quarterback. It happens. Backups don't always win in this league. It is what it is, and we would have moved on. We wouldn't have thought twice about it. We would not have had Stefanski on the hot seat. We would not have blamed him for it. We just would have said
0: it is what it is. Right, correct.
1: But fourth string quarterback playoffs,
0: I'm perfectly okay with him getting coach of the year. And D'Amico Ryans was deserving, but I would make the argument Stefanski winning is not a bad thing. It's not. It's not a robbery. He wasn't. It wasn't stolen. He earned that. Like you said, their season was dead in the water. It was over, and he had gone through multiple backups that hadn't worked out, and he 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 just. I I think he threw caution to the wind, and they gave Joe Flacco a call. They had no idea what they were going to get bringing in Joe Flacco. The fact that he came out and played as well as he did, that was great for them. But for that, like you said, that coach, that's leadership under fire the way he held that team together where they could have easily had a lost season. So I I think both guys are deserving, but I still would have gave the edge to Stefanski. Uh, He just did a a great job of keeping his guys locked in.
1: As predicted, the Houston Texan rookie duo takes the rookie of the year honors. Defensive rookie of the year goes to Will Anderson, Jr. Offensive rookie of the year goes to CJ Stroud. They were the front runners for a good portion of the season. It, it makes logical sense for that to happen. Defensive player of the year, though, Mo, a little bit of controversy here. Defensive player of the year this year is Miles Garrett. There are a lot of people out there, myself included, that thought it should have been T.J. Watts. Mo, did the NFL get it right? Is Miles Garrett the defensive player of the year?
0: No, they got it wrong. If if you were voting defensive player of the year based off of maybe the first eight games of the season, you might have given it to Miles Garrett. But but even when his season shortened, the impact that T.J. Watt has on the the Steelers, it's 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 almost like having a quarterback on defense. That's how dominant and how impactful he was. He can get after your quarterback. Terrific against the run. Has the speed in the hands to get out in the pass game. He is the total package defensively. Look, I I would argue that Miles Garrett was basically unheard from the last four or five games of the season. Um, He was just living off of what he had done early in the season. And maybe that's what the voters saw. But even with the injury, I still would have said it's T.J. Watt.
1: Mo, T.J. Watt has missed 13 games in his NFL career. The Pittsburgh Steelers are
0: 1-12 and in those games. Coincidence? I think not. Uh, And and let me add one more thing. I would have said TJ Watt. I think you would have said TJ Watt at number two. I would have went Roquan Smith. Yes, I would not have
1: gone Miles Garrett at two either. Because again, like you said, he put together a really impressive six or seven games to open the season. That was it. Then the Cleveland Browns defense was inconsistent at best the second half of the season. And he himself was inconsistent at best the second half of the season, and you could argue the last month of the season, his name wasn't called. He did nothing over their last few regular season games and the playoff game. There was no talk of Miles Garrett, and he looked nothing like he looked through the first six or seven games. And then you look at someone like, Watt. Yeah, he was injured. Yes, his season was shortened a little bit, but every game he played, he impacted the game.
0: He's just a dog.
1: So... It's it's interesting. It's very interesting, Mo. Offensive player of the year, Christian McCaffrey. Not a surprise. Not a surprise at all. Many were thinking that maybe this was the season that, you know, a non-quarterback was going to win MVP. And if it was, it was going to be Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, that was not the case. He gets the offensive player of the year nod. Obviously, he has bigger fish to fry this weekend. Offensive player of the year is nice, but I think the Super Bowl trophy Mo would obviously be nicer. Maybe a uh, Super Bowl MVP could be would on be the much horizon. Nice. Yes, sir. Much I nicer. think it's been uh, 25, 26 years since a running back has taken Super Bowl MVP honors. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. So we, 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 we shall see. Those picks are coming later on in the show. And then, of course, the one that surprised nobody. Lamar Jackson wins his second NFL MVP. Uh, I mean, I I don't have much to say here, Mo. I don't think he should have got the MVP. I think the MVP should have went to Dak Prescott. Um, Say what you want. It is a regular season quarterback award. Uh, I think that Dak Prescott had an overall body of work during the regular season. That was more impressive than Lamar Jackson. Sure, Lamar Jackson had a couple of really spectacular games late in the season i understand that you can sit here and say well you know dak played a lot of under 500 teams at home and they put a whooping on them and lamar played a lot of teams that were above 500 and he put a whooping on them fine okay i i I hear it all right they both had good defenses i get it but i'm looking at stats and i think that overall dak was a better quarterback than lamar jackson was i know that dak doesn't have the wheels I know he doesn't have the highlight plays that Lamar Jackson has, but it is what it is. Lamar Jackson is a uh, he's a two-time MVP. He is one of eleven. There's only ten other guys in the history of the National Football League who have won multiple MVP awards, and uh, he is also the only two-time MVP to never make a Super Bowl appearance. So. Maybe he's the greatest regular season quarterback of all time, Mo. I don't know.
0: Well, he's not that because that's still Peyton Manning, probably. Got it. Got it. Okay, uh, so he's not that, and he and he's actually won the Super Bowl twice as well. So, um, look, look, I'm taking nothing from Lamar Jackson, and I think he had a terrific season. But based on what you said and what we saw, this is going to be weird for me to say, Chris, and maybe you've even thought about this too. I actually thought Dak didn't get it because of. Anti cowboy bias, yeah, I agree. Do you know what I'm saying? Like with the Cowboys, because of the way people uh taunt them and go after them, it's everything is about what they do in the postseason, which I get that that's fair. With the goal is to win the Super Bowl, so Dak could have thrown for 5,000 yards, but if, but if the last game we saw him play in the regular season, he didn't play well, or the last game they saw visually in the playoffs, he didn't play well, that is the lasting impression. And I think they go in there thinking, like, I got to see what he does in the postseason. And like you established, and we all know it's a regular season award. I would argue that I thought it was Dak and Purdy, and I would have gave Dak the edge. And I think Lamar won it literally on the strength of the fact that, to their credit, as a team, Cleveland dog walked everybody that was over 500. Including my Niners, your Dolphins, like they just, they didn't they didn't just barely beat very good teams. They destroyed them, and I think that was that was on that strength alone is why Lamar won MVP. Mo, I
1: don't, and I I don't have this in front of me. I have no idea when it is. I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty confident that the NFL finalized the people who were nominated for these awards during the early round of the playoffs, which means the voting happened during the playoffs. And I have an issue with that because if this is a regular season award, this should all be wrapped up before the playoffs begin. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my timeline is off and someone in the chat can tell me my timeline is off and I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm pretty sure that during Wild Card Weekend or right around there, they, they finalized and they put out this tweet with all the nominees in there. And I'm pretty sure voting happened after that. So I think voting happens between the first round of the playoffs and the second round of the playoffs. And again, we talk about Cowboy bias and you talk about the narrative with Dak. I don't think it helps Dak Prescott if you're voting after you watch him lay another egg in the playoffs.
0: that's And that's my whole point. That's the last vision of Dak Prescott. They're like, I'm not going to vote for that guy for MVP. And and here's the crazy part. Had the Ravens not had the great regular season that they had, how do we know that, because they didn't play until the second round, obviously they had a bye, how do we know that they wouldn't have laid an egg and you would have said, "Uh, I can't vote for Lamar, right? It it would have been different. It's weird. Like you said, if it's a regular season award, the winner should have been done before the playoffs even started. We we've seen the regular season. It is what it is, and I really do think that their last their last impression of Dak Prescott swayed their vote. And I have no issue with
1: you hanging on to it for a month. That's fine. Do all the voting. Put put it out right Monday Monday after the regular season ends. Put out who's nominated. Do all the voting that week before a wild card weekend starts, and then just hang on to it for a month. And announce it right before the Super Bowl. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But I'm pretty confident that they announced during Wild Card Weekend who all the finalists were. And they voted after Wild Card Weekend. And I'm not judging the voters. But how are you going to vote Dak Prescott MVP when he gets blown up by the Green Bay Packers in the first round of the playoffs? And Lamar Jackson is sitting there on a bye week with maybe the greatest defense in the NFL this season, with the uh, number one seed, with a first-round buy, and being the favorite to get to the Super Bowl in his conference, which is what they were at that time. How, how are you not going to vote him? So that, that's my issue with it. I, and I, I'm not complaining that it's a quarterback award. I'm not complaining that you know running backs and receivers don't get more love. If it's going to be a regular season award, just make it a regular season award and we move on. Don't sit here and do voting in the playoffs because we're human, Mo. And I don't know if I could have voted for Dak Prescott day or two after he lays the egg and has the turnovers and sit here and say he deserves it over Lamar. Like, I don't know. Like, I would sit there and be like, come on, Dak. Or I would still (laughs) vote for him and be like, why, why are you putting me in this spot? Like, right. don't give put me something to work with. That spot. Exactly. Right. Don't put your voters in that spot. Wrap up the voting before the playoffs start and move on. That way it's still a level playing field because, and I'm not saying Dak would have won in that situation. There was a ground well of support for Lamar Jackson, but at least make it so that we really are only looking at the regular season. And then if you lay an egg and, you know, Game 17 or 18 of the regular season, that's on you. Whatever. You you did that. But don't don't take the playoffs into consideration if it's not going to be anything but a regular season award. And I digress, Mo. And I digressed. <laughs> it
0: happened. Uh
1: NBA trade deadline was yesterday. Uh, Mo, that dud- was pretty
0: that was pretty interesting, wasn't it? The the NBA of all the major sports leagues Nobody does a better job of hyping up their free agency and and all the what if scenarios and how, who's interested in who and you get hyped for it in NBA trade line deadline passes and it was a big dud it was a dud no major trades no major stars nobody moved um, the team that was connected to like 20 different players the Lakers got nobody. <laughs> but, which which I knew would be the case, but yeah, they were connected to everybody. Lakers, the Lakers are into Dejounte Murray and Zach Levine. And they think they can sign. They think they can sign Donovan Mitchell in the offseason. Like they're they're connected to everybody and then get anybody, and that's fine. Like I said, I I thought coming in, don't don't give up the pick. You you have enough to be a good team. I don't think you can win a championship, but you have enough to be a good team. Don't sacrifice your future. For a guy who's probably going to bounce in a year or two, if not this offseason, we don't know. So I I had no problem with them not making a move. Um, I was kind of surprised that other contenders weren't as aggressive. I was actually surprised that Golden State decided, you know what, we're going to keep it together and, and see if we can make another push. Um, they're going to go with the roster that they have. That's interesting to me. I don't think they're going to make a push. But, um, look, I, I thought – Milwaukee went out and they went and got Patrick Beverly. Maybe he can, he can definitely help them at their point of attack defense. So they, it's, they certainly can't get worse defensively than they are now. So I thought that was a good move. Look, if any team won, I would say that it would be the Knicks because they got Alex Burke and they got Bogdanovich. So they got two guys that can put the ball in the basket. They gave themselves some added depth, but I don't think any contenders made major moves.
1: Mo, we're going to go through the moves real quick, and you're just going to give me a a letter grade, all right? Give me an instant reaction, letter grade. We'll start with the Warriors. Uh, The Warriors deal Corey Joseph to the Pacers. Uh, They get a second-round pick back for it. F. Thank you, sir. I said that as well. Uh, The Celtics made a pair of moves. The Celtics added a player to the mix and a future draft pick. Boston acquired guard Jaden
0: Springer from the 76ers. I don't even know what that is. Uh, incomplete. They did They did get a big man from the Grizzlies. Uh, I can't remember his name, it w- but it was like right before the trade deadline. Yes, it was. It, it, he, he's going to help them out a lot. He gives them added depth, but they, that other move, incomplete. Uh, the Bucks trade away Robin Lopez to the Kings.
1: Yeah, that doesn't mean. that That's D minus. <laughs> <laughs> How about the Philadelphia 76ers? Get him, buddy.
0: They're bringing in Buddy. And and look, and Buddy Hill. If you have a healthy Embiid, that's an A. That's a that's a floor spacer. It's a shooter. The the problem I have with that is you're hoping, you're praying that you actually get Embiid back. When when is that going to be? Is that going to be before the playoffs? Is that going to be before the Sixers slide all the way into the play-in game? So I, it's one of those moves where you go, man. Now we got to shoot around Embiid. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't have Embiid. So that's an incomplete.
1: Uh, in that deal, the Spurs also get Marcus Morris.
0: Yeah, that's nothing.
1: And then the Pacers just got a bunch of stuff. They got some cash considerations. They got a couple of second-round draft picks. Uh, they got Doug McDermott. And they got a, a gentleman's name who I cannot pronounce. I'm not going to try to.
0: Well, Doug McDermott is a good shooter. He, I think he'd been a Pacer before. M- maybe he can get back into the rotation it's not a major move. It's not going to shift any directions um, in terms of how good they're going to be.
1: Uh, the Bucks receive Patrick Beverly. The Sixers
0: receive Cameron Payne. Like I said, whatever Beverly has left, um, I think he'll give them some toughness. He might help them with their point of attack defense that they desperately need. As far as the Sixers go, the campaign is a, a journeyman point guard. I think he can help them as a rotation player, but again, everything about Sixers, it all falls on if you have Embiid. If Embiid isn't going to be there, then the campaign Buddy Hill moves, they don't mean anything.
1: How about Royce O'Neal to the Suns in a three-team deal?
0: That's actually one of the better moves. Royce O'Neal is one of the better 3 and D guys in the NBA, so he gives the Suns a versatile defender and a guy that can uh, make shots when you're, when you're doubling off a of Booker or KD. So that's a good move for the Suns. I, I have no problem with that.
1: Uh, The Dallas Mavericks get P.J. Washington, a 2024 second rounder, and a 2028 second rounder. And the Hornets get Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a 2027 first rounder.
0: So for the Mavs, if you're playing off Luka, you do need spacing. Um, P.J. Washington is a good catch-and-shoot three. He can be streaky from three, um, but he's a good face-up shooting big, and he's a lob threat, so I think that helps them.
1: Uh, reports say that the Pistons are going to buy out Joe Harris, so Joe Harris is going to hit the open market. Joe Harris is still in the league. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that.
0: Breaking uh, goals.
1: the uh, the Nets receive Thaddeus Young and Dennis Schroeder. The Raptors receive Spencer Dinwiddie.
0: I feel like I'm repeating myself. I didn't even know Thad Young was still in the league. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just, just, just cash and checks. Uh, <laughs> I think the net. What the Nets are going to do is the, the, those salaries. They're going to dump them maybe now or in the offseason. So they'll, those guys will be available in the buyout market. I think Dimwitty's interesting because he is a really good combo guard. If the Raptors buy him out, he's going to be a very sought after guy in the buyout market.
1: Uh, the Knicks get two players, Burks and Bogdanovich, and the Pistons get a bunch. Uh, they get four players. They get two future second-round picks. They get some cash.
0: Well, the Knicks, like I said, they help themselves with Burks and Bogdanovich. You get two guys who can shoot the three. It gives them added rotation and depth. Um, for the Pistons, I have no idea what they're doing. That's that's an F+. Plus.
1: The uh, Wizards and Mavs finalize a deal for Gafford. Daniel Gafford goes to the Mavs. And the Wizards get Holmes in a 2024 first-round pick in
0: return. I'm guessing that they buy Rashard Holmes out. Um, Gafford is another big who's a really good lob threat and is a rim protector. The Mavs added some more size and depth, so I I like what they did at the end of the um, free agency. So good for the Mavs. The Thunders go out and get Gordon Hayward. Uh, The Hornets
1: get a lot of stuff back. Uh, they get three players, they get two picks, they get some cash.
0: Um, I'm going to ignore the Hornets because their history says ignore them. But for the Thunder, Gordon Hayward gives you a veteran presence and coming off the bench, somebody who's a reliable scorer. I like Gordon Hayward in a leadership role. I like him coming off the bench. We're talking about the second youngest team in the NBA, and they are going to be in the postseason. So I think he's an added and a needed veteran presence on that team. So I like that move.
1: Uh, continuing with the what is Detroit doing? They trade a second-round draft pick for House Junior.
0: Yeah, Eddie, well, I, 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 and and that's somebody who might Daniel. That's Daniel House Junior, right? Yeah, yeah. They're gonna they're probably gonna release him. So I'm not I'm not sure what that is. It it seems like a salary dump move, but nobody really knows what they're doing over there. So
1: yeah. Uh, the Jazz get Otto Porter Jr. from the Toronto Raptors. He's still in the league.
0: <laughs> That's another one. That's three of them, and even though Porter Jr. is still playing. Oh, oh let me no. rephrase that he's in the league, he's not playing. There's correct, a difference. correct. He's hey. he's getting paid though. He's collecting those and checks. I, and I'm not, and I am not hating, I'm just jealous he's getting paid to have the best seats in the house. I'm jealous.
1: (laughs) Mo, yesterday, the long-anticipated Kobe Bryant statue was revealed. Everyone who was in attendance for this event, they also received a really cool Kobe jersey. Uh, If you haven't seen these jerseys, uh, just go look on social media. They are pretty, pretty awesome. I'm sure someone's selling theirs for a lot of money if you want to get your hands on one. But they were pretty cool. But fans can never be happy, Mo. So there are a lot of people who are underwhelmed with the statue and how the statue looks. Uh, Let's keep in mind, and Vanessa said this, the design of the statue was chosen by Kobe. Uh, It is him walking off the court from his last game ever in the NBA. Uh, He has the one finger up. That's the game that he dropped the 80 in. So. Apparently, Kobe is the one that kind of put forth what the image was when the statue was finally made. They held true to that. And this is actually going to be the first of three statues for Kobe. Um, A second statue featuring him and his daughter is going to be made. And a third statue featuring him in the number 24 jersey is also going to be made. Uh, We will see those at a future date. But Mo, what did you think of the first one?
0: I didn't have a problem with it at all. Look, it was it was the move that he made right after he'd scored the 81 points and he was coming off the court. And more importantly, if Kobe's good with it, if it's his choice, I'm good with it. I'm I'm, I'm with Vanessa Bryant 100%. Um, I like what she said at the end. I'm not going to repeat what she said, but I have no problem with her sentiments.
1: Because she knew. You, you know she knew. She knew that people were going to say crap about it. She knew that people were going to be like, well, why wasn't it this moment? Or why wasn't it that moment? Right. Because that's not what Kobe wanted. So this is what he wanted. This is what he got. And if you don't like it, I don't care. And that's how it should be. Because who the heck are we to sit here and be like, oh, they could have done better with the statue. Really? That's what we're going to get all up in arms about, the statue.
0: Right, rather than just celebrate the fact they were, they were doing something for him and and about his day and immortalizing him, that's what the thing is about celebrating that, not knit-knack. You should have showed him when him tearing a jersey off, or or <laughs> you should have had him dunking. Like, what about Kobe with the afro? They didn't do that one. Like, the, you you're never gonna please everybody. But what mm-hmm. we should all agree on is they're celebrating Kobe for the career that he had, the great player that he was. Leave it at that.
1: And Mo, it's funny because that was literally some of the comments. People wanted Kobe with the afro in the statue and were upset that it wasn't Kobe with the, like, that's, that's what you were anticipating. That's what's got you all riled up. They didn't give
0: him the fro. Come on. Guess what? The Kobe that you saw in 2001, the one that we saw in 2014, 20, that guy didn't have an afro And and he couldn't grow it back. If you know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't ageless. He was a real person. It happens. And I have no, I have no, pro- and how you guys know, because like you said, Chris, there's going to be two more statues. Hey, maybe one of them, they will have him with the fro if it makes yeah. you guys happy. I don't know.
1: Uh, the 2024 pro football hall of fame class was announced. Uh, we're going to take a couple of different angles at this first, uh, just real quick. The uh, gentleman who made it into the 2024 hall of fame class We have Dwight Freeney, Andre Johnson, Randy Grinshar, Patrick Willis, Steve McMichael, Devin Hester, and Julius Peppers. Uh, That is the 2024 Hall of Fame class. But, Mo, I have this question for you. I saw the headline this morning on Bleacher Report, and it said, Devin Hester and Julius Peppers, headline, 2024 Hall of Fame class. And the first thing I said to myself was, Did Andre Johnson not make it into the Hall of Fame this round? So obviously, upon further investigation, yes, he did. Mo, why why is Devin Hester being touted as the headliner of the... I get Peppers. I'm totally fine. If you want to say on the defensive side, Peppers is headlining this class. We're good there. I think this is a little disrespectful, though, to Andre Johnson. I'm taking nothing away from Devin Hester. The records that he has as a kick returner, I got you. But can we talk about the fact that Andre Johnson <laughs> was an amazing wide receiver for a very long period of time he was in this league? Not yeah. to mention the fact that Devin Hester, you know, was also a wide receiver and nowhere near the wide receiver that right. Andre Johnson yeah. was. They are basically playing the same position. The only difference is Hester is getting in for his special teams acumen which by the way was incredible
0: he, he, he was terrific at right
1: but they were both wide receivers and if you just look at the wide receiver resume devin hester is not a hall of famer so i don't think devin hester is headlining any hall of fame class mode but yeah. maybe
0: that's just me I, I don't know why he's headline and i would actually say if i was gonna say there were headliners i would have had freeney freeney right i, there I also would have picked Julian. Yeah, Frenny, Frenny, and Julius Peppers, I would have had right up there with Andre Johnson as the headliners. Frenny is so unique because of his speed and that spin move. That spin move, the, the, the agility to have that spin move at that size to go with that strength, like at his peak, just unblockable. Um, Peppers could do a little bit of everything. So I, those are my headliners. I don't, I don't know where Hester comes into the fold there. He, look, he he's deserving of being in there, but I would have had Frenny. And I would have had um, uh, Peppers and, of course, Andre Johnson. Those would have been my headliners.
1: Mo, WWE had their WrestleMania kickoff yesterday uh, in Las Vegas. So, you know, why not? Super Bowl is going to be there. You already got a bunch of media out there. Might as well take advantage of it (laughs) and have the WrestleMania kickoff a couple days before the Super Bowl. But, Mo, we talked about this a couple days ago. And what we said was, can we just be patient? Can we just wait and see where the chips fall before we start complaining about creative, before we start complaining about decisions that WWE is or is not making? Let's see what happens on Thursday with the press conference. Let's see what happens on Friday on SmackDown a week after Cody gives up apparently his WrestleMania spot to The Rock and we're on our way to Rock Reigns at WrestleMania and Cody's been thrown to the side like the stepchild nobody loves and the internet is up in arms. Let's just see where we are a week later and then if things are confirmed, then we can be upset about it and we can have temper tantrums. Well, leading into last night, uh, The Rock was a guest on the Pat McAfee show and he talked about many, many things outside of wrestling, but obviously with Pat McAfee officially being the uh, head announcer on raw, he, with Michael Cole, you know, he's going to talk about the business as well. And they're going to talk about WrestleMania and they're going to hype up the press conference that was happening later on that afternoon. So the rock went into this whole, I mean, he cut a promo. Let's be honest. He, he, he cut a promo on the Pat McAfee show. And as he was cutting the promo, he was talking about that. There's three groups of people. Group one is Cody Rhodes. Group two are dedicated Cody Rhodes fans that The Rock has no issue with. And then group three are the Cody crybabies. And then The Rock went on to talk about how the the son comes into the room and he wants dad to go play catch with him but dad can't because he wants Cody to finish his story. And he's whining (laughs) on the internet because he wants Cody to finish his story. And the rock's talking about how the wife comes in the room and she wants a little moment, but the husband's too busy because he's upset because he wants Cody to finish his story. And he's got to go tell the whole internet about how Cody has to finish his story. I'm like, okay, this is a little, this is a little heel rock. I like this. I like this. I like that that The Rock's leaning into it. I like that we're not ignoring the fact that there is this ground well of support for Cody Rhodes. So I I was okay. I I didn't think anything of it, but I was okay. Then you get to the press conference and Seth Rollins is there as well. Rightfully so as the world heavyweight champion. And Roman does his thing. Seth does his thing. The Rock comes out. The Rock does his thing. He gets half boos, half cheers. And The Rock's really hyping up the history of the family they got this huge family tree on the screen behind them there's like 40 different people on it because this the bloodline it's a legitimate thing for people who don't know It, it might be the greatest wrestling family of all time like it goes back you know 40 50 60 70 years generation after generation i think it's five or six generations deep
0: Man, you're uh, talking about Peter Mavia, yep. the the wild Samoans alfa yep. and Sika. I mean, it there is a it is
1: deep. This bloodline is deep. It is far reaching. Uh th- there are st- there are people coming up in the next generation that are going to continue this bloodline. Like it's not going away anytime soon. So all of that is happening and you know they're they're building up Rock and Roman and then Cody comes out. And Cody says that he's made his decision and his decision is he wants what's his. He's going after Roman reigns at WrestleMania. And you're like, Oh, well, hang on, hang on a minute. I thought we weren't going that way. I thought you, I thought you gave it up. I thought the rock was going to have your spot now. Right. And then Cody gets in Roman's face and he tells Roman that if your grandfather were alive today, he looks at the rock and he says, if the high chief, we're here today, they'd be ashamed of both of you. And then him and Roman have a little stare off, and then the rock steps in front of Roman and basically tells Cody, if you make fun of his family, you're making fun of my family. If you make fun of his ancestors, you're making fun of my ancestors. You make fun of his blood, you're making fun of my blood, and now me and you have a problem. And he slaps Cody in the face. And then all hell and then all hell breaks loose. So now I look at it, and Mo, here we are. I We said be patient. We said wait to see what happens. Exactly. We said time and time again, Roman has talked about being closer to the beginning of the story than we were to the end of the story. Right. The Rock on the Pat McAfee show even said storytelling. Just wait and see how the story unfolds. There's different chapters. There's different layers. So even before the press conference, The Rock was laying out the breadcrumbs. And now you have this situation where The Rock and Roman almost look united because they didn't get physical on stage. The Rock basically said in this situation, Roman and I are the same. And now because of what you said to Roman, we have a problem. You and I have a problem. And then you throw in Seth Rollins and Mo, I'm looking at him and I'm like, God damn. Are we going to see the Rock and Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes at Elimination Chamber? Now I know that Seth is battling an injury, so maybe not, but it looks like that's a possibility on the table. And if we're gonna go Rock and we're I mean, if we're gonna go Cody and Roman at WrestleMania, and the rock isn't actually going to wrestle, because we still don't know. We don't know if that's going to be a match now. We know that they want to be a match. They've been saying forever it's going to be a match. We don't know where that falls. But if they don't, you know The Rock's
0: going to be there. And you know The Rock's going to screw Cody Rhodes over. I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying is going to (laughs) happen. Cody Rhodes' story, it ain't going to finish at WrestleMania either. I think The Rock Rock saves Roman, screws him. And, and this kind of goes to what you leaned into. The rock steps forward, Roman has the belt, but the rock's gonna claim being the head of the table, right? Because the I'm, rock's uh, gonna keep the
1: belt on Roman. Right. And the rock's right. gonna handle the Cody problem. And like you said, now you're opening the door for Rock and Cody at SummerSlam. And I, I I think I think we all see it come to a head later on. I don't, I don't think we're there. I don't think. We're at the end of the story yet?
0: Mo. No, we're at the beginning. I'm. I'm. You said this a long time ago. Just listen to what Roman Reigns said. He gave you some breadcrumbs. He said we're closer to the beginning than we are the end. And I. I think this is something that's going. And, and it's great for fans because this story is going to play out well into the uh, next the summer. That's great. I. I love. Look, there's very few wrestlers who have the ability to walk both sides. The Rock can walk both sides. Steve Austin can walk both sides. Very few guys could do that. Um and do it at the level that they do it at. So I love it.
1: Well, we have NBA All-Star weekend coming up. Uh NBA All-Star weekend might be it might be the best All-Star weekend if I'm thinking about it real quick. Uh baseball does a decent job with the Home Run Derby, but I don't think the actual All-Star game is something that people really come out for the home run derby absolutely if if your guy's in there no one really cares about the nfl and their pro bowl activities although you know the highlights get a little more play now because they've they've revamped it a little bit uh the nhl does a good job with their all-star weekend if you're a hockey fan i don't think the nhl all-star weekend is pulling in uh any non-hockey fans or you know just pedestrian hockey fans So, But for actual hockey fans, the NHL does a great job. Speaking of the NHL All-Star Weekend, I don't know if you saw this. uh, This is actually up on our TikTok right now if you want to go take a look. They did something at the NHL All-Star Weekend with different celebrities. And there was like celebrity drafts for different teams and whatnot for fantasy hockey. And it was really cool. And Michael Bublé was there. He was the owner of a team. Uh, Will Arnett was there. He was an owner for a team. So after this big draft during the NHL All Star Weekend, they have all these celebrities who drafted these teams come do press conferences, as if like they're the actual owner. Like like it's oh. it's it, it's hilarious because they're treating it like it's a real thing. I like, love that. It is. It's it's it was funny as hell. <laughs> so Bublé gets up there, and he's visibly out of it. Like he's a, he's looking a little unhinged. Like he's rambling a little bit. You're like, what is? What is Buble doing? And then he just he admits it. His friend gave him a micro dose of mushrooms.
0: Oh, I saw that. I saw, I <laughs> and he saw goes, that. but he lied.
1: <laughs> it wasn't a small dose. <laughs> and then you got Will Arnett with the ultimate bro move that I have ever seen in my life. He lets Michael stop talking and immediately pivots the conversation somewhere else. So Booblay goes on to this whole thing. He acknowledges he's high. He acknowledges he's on mushrooms.
0: It was like a confession.
1: Right. And then Buble pivots, and he's like, Man, Michael, you know, you just sat here and you talked about your love for hockey and how you're in all these all these hockey uh drafts and all these these hockey fantasy leagues. You probably just lost so many female fans from all this <laughs> fantasy sports talk. Like, literally just pivoting the conversation away from the mushrooms, and Buble's like, well, the mushrooms probably didn't help either. (laughs) And then Will's like, all right. (laughs) I tried. I tried. Are any of you out here actually going to ask me about the mushrooms? Do any of you have that kind of gall? And they didn't. None of the reporters questioned the mushrooms. But, Mo, did did you have on your 2024 bingo sheet
0: Michael Buble, national TV, high on mushrooms? I, I did not. Uh, I actually, I'm, I was channel surfing and I stopped in mid rant, but I caught the part where, because I didn't know what was going on, and but he was talking about my friend, only he told me he gave me a micro, and I'm caught up in it and I'm like, this guy's saying he's high. <laughs> And I was, I was, I was wilding because he was just confessing everything. Like he was talking the way you would talk if it was just three of you in a room. Correct. And, and, <laughs> see what I mean? And and and, and, and that was going to stay between the three of you and not like a bunch of people out there and the will sitting there like, what is going on? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh,
1: but like I said, Mo NBA All Star Weekend. Let's ask the question that everybody wants to know: Are you Team Steph? Or are you Team Sabrina?
0: I'm, I'm, I'm really rooting for them both. But if you want me to say who could use the boost, then I'm Team Sabrina because I, I look, you know, and I know the WNBA can use all the publicity um, that they can get, and it'll be a great. It's going to be a great night. It's going to be a great boost for the league. So I, I'm just excited. I, I hope it's one of those things where. They both put on such a show that they end up having to have a shootout and like do some more shooting. Extend it out.
1: Yeah, I want it to be close. I don't want Steph to run away with it. And I, I probably shouldn't say this because it's going to be taken the wrong way. But I'm going to put it out there as a statement and I'm going to walk away from it. I also don't think Steph wants it to be a blowout. And I think Steph understands that it being a blowout is probably the worst way it
0: could go. Um, I mean, I think he understands that, but I feel like knowing Steph, he's just gonna go out there as a competitor. Yes. If if he, he, if he if he if he puts up 30 in a round and she only puts up 25, that's not his fault. Who do you um, think
1: sh- who do you think shoots first? I think she shoots first.
0: Um he, look, Sabrina's really cocky. She doesn't lack for confidence. She, she, I think she'll volunteer to go first to try to put some pressure on him. What if she goes out and drops drops thirty and around herself, and she's looking at him like, top that. So it, it's gonna be fun. Um, I don't think either of them feel pressure, but I do think you make a great point that Steph is no is aware of how it could appear. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm I'm not saying in any way that he's not gonna give you. He's going
1: to he's going to compete. But like I said, I, I think I think there is a world where if things potentially got out of hand, I think Steph is aware enough to do his best to not turn it into something more than it needs
0: to. Fair, fair, fair. And I would also say, though, look, the way that she shoots, he better shoot well. Oh, he better shoot
1: well. And I don't he expect well. her to have an off night. Like I said, she, she's going to be completely in her element. She is a knockdown three-point shooter. She's using a woman's ball. So she's not – there's no. There's nothing outside of her comfort zone. The ball is going to be the ball she's used to. The distance is going to be the distance that she's used to. She's not adjusting to anything just because she's going against Steph Curry. So everything should be in her wheelhouse. She should be able to go out there and completely light it up and go toe-for-toe toe with Steph Curry, and that's the best outcome. W- regardless of the winner, if they're just going back and forth and and trading blows, then that, that's all I'm looking for.
0: Then the fans win. We win.
1: Yeah, 100%. Absolutely 100%. Key uh, is saying things to me. In the chat, I, I don't know what she is uh what she is referring to. Key, key, please please inform me what. Oh, I see what you're. Oh, I see what you're referring to. What did she put out there? Key 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 is dropping a uh, a fancy new videos in the chat. So I guess this is a uh, key's way at production of saying take a commercial break to play the fancy new video. So I guess I guess we'll do that, Mo. Since I'm getting yelled it. at by key in the chat here. Uh, Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to break down the Super Bowl. We are going to make our official Super Bowl predictions. All of that is happening 30 seconds from now. Coffee and sports. It's the morning show powered by Sports Empire Network.
0: Got merch? we got merch we got merch <laughs> oh wow we made it we got, we got merch.
1: merch uh make sure you uh check out our merch we got hoodies we got t-shirts we got the coffee cup because i love coffee hey come on if you're gonna be with us every morning drink some coffee enjoy the show uh shout out to key and production for hooking us up with that Great job, ad key. Uh, we love the merch. We want to see you in the merch. We're going to be seen in the merch. No uh, make sure you take advantage of that. If you saw it, 20% off. Get your merch now. Mo, it is finally time to have the talk. The Super Bowl is upon us. Uh, we know what's at stake for both quarterbacks. We know that this is another step in the legacy of Patrick Mahomes. It could be his third Super Bowl In four attempts. Um, This is his fourth trip to the Super Bowl. He has the six straight AFC championship games. He is on an absolute tear. It's also a season. Let's be honest. Five weeks ago, we said no way. We said, yes, they're going to win their division because there's no one else that's going to win that division right now because they're just, they all suck. So we said, sure, they're going to win their division. But he's not going to go on the road and he is not going to win a playoff game in Buffalo or Baltimore or Miami or all the other places we were speculating we're going to have a home playoff game. And then he just turned around and he went through the three best quarterbacks in his conference this season. He knocked off Tua, he knocked off Josh Allen, and then he knocked off the two-time MVP, Lamar Jackson. Those, if you rank the top five quarterbacks in the AFC this season, statistically, those four guys, including Mahomes, were all going to be on that list, and he went through all of them. Now, he's facing the other quarterback besides Dak Prescott, who was in the MVP conversation in Brock Purdy. So if he were to pull this off, not only is he doing it in a season where the expectation wasn't there, and you could argue the weapons are not there and you could argue that it's been a turbulent season, he is going through legitimately the best quarterbacks in the league that he possibly could have gone through. I mean, the only other quarterback you really could have added to that list that he doesn't have the chance to go through is Dak Prescott. But statistically, if you were to say, hey, who are the top five or six quarterbacks in the NFL this season? He's basically gone through all of them uh, if he ends up winning the Super Bowl. On the other side of it, you have Brock Purdy. Who has done everything he could possibly do? One and a half years into his career, Mo. I don't know what more you want from him. He took a team to the NFC Championship game his first year in the league as a third-string quarterback. Let's keep that in mind. He was a third. He wasn't a backup. He was a third-string quarterback coming into the season. All right. We probably didn't even know if he was going to make the team coming into the season, but he did. He was a third-string quarterback. He got an opportunity, and he took his team to the NFC Championship game. A game, by the way, that they were in competitively until he gets hurt. He gets hurt. He exits the game. Things don't go their way. The Niners lose. Now we come to season number two. In his first full season in the NFL, he again brings his team to the NFC Championship game. All the while, the narrative is he's just a game manager uh he's not really an elite quarterback at best his ceiling is he'll be good uh he's the 10th best player on his team it's all the other skill positions and the defense and the scheme and the coaching that are getting him to where he's getting and now he sits here in the super bowl two seasons two NFC championship games one super bowl appearance mo you could argue he's in the early stages of doing what Patrick Mahomes did. Now, we don't know how the next four years are going to go, but you can only judge on what you currently have in front of you. Patrick Mahomes started his career off going to six straight AFC Championship games as a starting quarterback. Brock Purdy has started his career off going to two NFC Championship games. Every season Brock Purdy has finished, there has been an NFC title game in there somewhere. Every season Mahomes has finished, there's been an AFC title game in there somewhere. These are two accomplished quarterbacks. The only difference is Mahomes has been doing it four years longer. We know what the narrative is going to be if Brock Purdy and the Niners lose this game. It's going to fall on Brock Purdy. We get it. That's what happens in the NFL, right? You fail, it's the quarterback. You succeed, it's the quarterback. There are very few instances in NFL history where a team has failed or succeeded And they've been like, oh, well, the defense. Usually it's the quarterback that gets the glory and gets everything heaped on afterwards. That being said, Mo, I don't know, at least with the Niners, if the quarterback is going to have the biggest impact on the field. Not because he can't, but I think what you're looking at, honestly, is CMC. If the Kansas City cannot shut down CMC in the first quarter if he gets going everything San Francisco does on offense branches off of that if he's having success in the run game now you're going to see Debo have success in the run game now you're going to see the gadget plays now you're going to see different things open up offensively all because the focus on Kansas City is going to be on CMC now, Gene made a great point last night on sideline to sideline. This Kansas City defense, most of you probably didn't realize this, is about on the, on the precipice of doing something historic. No team in NFL history has gone an entire season without allowing more than 28 points in a game. The Chiefs are on the verge of doing that if they can hold the Niners to less than 28. They could lose this game and still hold the Niners to less than 28 and be the first team in NFL history to do that. CMC, I think, sets the tone for the Niners. On the other side of it, I think the long drives set the tone for the Chiefs. Obviously, you got to get Kelsey involved early. Hopefully, he doesn't have a case of the he's I don't think he will. He's found the fountain of youth here in the playoffs, Mo. But I think what you're going to see is it's going to be, can Kansas City sustain those long drives? and just dink and dunk it to death, and then there might be a deep shot or two in there somewhere. And on the other side of the ball, can the Niners establish the run game, which is going to open up everything else their offense can do? Are there any keys that you think I didn't hit on?
0: I think you touched on all of them. I would only add that because I expect Sneed to match up with Ayuk. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the guy that could have a big game could be George Kittle in the okay. seams, because remember Kittle's not, he's a great blocking tight end and they will use him because I do think that Spags is going to come after Purdy a couple of times. Yep. But I think that because Kittle is a, he's also a vertical threat that there will be, he will have an advantage versus the, the chiefs linebackers or safeties to try to cover him one-on-one. I think that, the, the niners i i would argue that in this particular game i think cmc might have as many receiving yards as he does rushing yards hmm. like he i think he can be effective in the run I, I, what people don't realize i know you do because you're my partner and i know you do the the chiefs defense as a unit they're actually better than the niners defense as a unit Yep. They, they are more, they, they're like everybody knows their role. They're a more cohesive unit. They've been a more consistent unit. The Niners have bigger names and have a more wow factor when they're at their best, but they can be very inconsistent. And so, I, what I need is I need Bosa, I need that front four to show up, and and they need to when they attack on third down, they need to be disciplined in their rush lanes. Because if you're not disciplined in your rush lanes against a Patrick Mahomes, he's going to shed that first wave and gut you for 10, 15 yards and slide. I'm with you. I think Kansas City doesn't deviate from their game plan against the Ravens. Patrick Mahomes will dink you and dunk you to death. And he's his whole thing is, I need to win first down and I need to win third down. And if he can do that and he can control the tempo of the game, look, I, I think Patrick Mahomes is perfectly good if Kansas City wins this Super Bowl 17 to 13. 100%. And, he just, and he just bleeds the air out of the clock and, yep. and puts pressure on the Niners' offense to do something big. Um, if he can control tempo and they bleed out the clock, they're going to win the football game. I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. They're going to win the football game. The Niners' off in this Particular Super Bowl. Yes, the Niners defense is important, but I think the Niners offense have to set the table. I think they need to come out and score early to establish you're not gonna bleed us out. You're not gonna like we're gonna score and you've got to match us, you gotta score because we're gonna score. So I, I I know I made my prediction last night on sideline to sideline. I think it's a I think it's a great Super Bowl. I think it's 27-24 Niners.
1: Patrick Mahomes has learned a little less than halfway through his career, maybe a quarter of the way through his career, that it's better for business if he has less drives per game. When you're out there scoring 45 points, it looks great. The highlights are awesome, but you're on the field more. You're taking more shots, potentially. There's more opportunity for you to get hit. When you're only out there for seven or eight drives a game, and three of them are 15 play drives and you put it in the end zone and another one's a field goal. drive. That's 24 points right there. 24 points and a lot of time off the clock. That's all you need. You don't need 45 points a game. Right. Because you're giving the other team more time to do what they got to do to get those points back. And you're putting yourself on the field more often. Why? Let's play economically. Let's grind it out. Let me do what I do best. Let me cook back there. Let me break your back three times on a 14-play drive because you got me in third down. And two of those times, I slipped out and ran eight yards and picked up the first down. And the other time, I put a ball through a window that you didn't think I could as I was falling to the ground, throwing sideways. Let me do those things. Because I do those things pretty darn well if you're Patrick Mahomes. And I think that that's what you're going to see. Like we talked about earlier in the week, his passing yards in the playoffs, his first 11 games compared to his last six, have gone down by almost 100 yards on average a game. It's not because they're not winning. They're winning more. He's 6-0 in his last six playoff games. 11 touchdowns, no interceptions, only sacked five times. That this is This is Patrick Mahomes. And you can say, well, this is what he has to be because of the weapons on his team. Maybe so. Maybe so. But if Tyreek Hill walked back through that door today, I don't think you see a different playing style Sunday. I think this is what they want to do. I think they're comfortable in close games, just like Brady was comfortable in close games. I think Patrick has the, if I touch the football last, we're going to win. It's not the, can we get the ball last, have a chance to win. If I touch the football last, we win the game. In the meantime, I'm going to touch the football the most and have it for the longest. And if I touch it last, we win the game. I think it's going to be a close game though. I think it's going to be a field goal or less that separates them. I think we might see something late uh, where someone goes for two um, to try to tilt the scales a little bit and blow up everybody's football squares. I'm (laughs) I'm always a fan when I'm at a Super Bowl party and someone goes a little unconventional because someone thinks they're about to cash in on an extra point, and then they go line up for two, and the heartbreak. The heartbreak in the room is palpable. I love it. I can it. imagine.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. Look, I, I'm i with you. My So every fan has a fear, and my greatest fear is I think it's a great Super Bowl, but my greatest fear is everything that you said. We're watching Patrick Mahomes, and I honestly think that He's traded wow factor for mastery of his craft, mm-hmm. and I think we're we're talking about one of the great quarterbacks who could very well, when it's all said and done, be the guy. But at, we're t- we're talking about him at the height of his powers, and my fear is it'll be a great Super Bowl. My fear is we will score late, but we're going to leave clock time on the clock. That's my fear, and my fear is there's going to be multiple third downs where we're like we got him, and this guy's going to make a play. He's going to make a play where there isn't a play to be made. And that's my fear. Look, in a perfect world, I like the Niners to win and have a little bit of a cushion where I'm not, my heart's not coming out of my chest. But I think people forget this, like I said before, the Chiefs' defense is as good or better than the Niners' defense. And a lot of people don't know that headline. And their offensive line, they're not great at pass protection, but when it comes to running the football, their offensive line is a pretty competent group. And I think Isaiah Pacheco is an underrated running back. That
1: guy's so, insane. You see right. that guy run the football? He doesn't runs he run it like, like he, he's he runs it like he's angry? Right. Right. Yeah. He's angry. He, he
0: and he's not like a he's not like a big 245-pound no. back, but and he runs he run. like he's a 245-pound yeah. back. Right. So I think he's gonna impact the game. Look, we have to get a lead and we have to be able to sustain it because if it's close that doesn't favor my team. That's my belief. If it's close, you know what the other guy is going to do.
1: I want the Niners to win. I think it benefits the league if the Niners win. I would love to see a budding rivalry between the Niners and the Chiefs. I think they're both going to be good teams for a long time to come. History is on your side, Mo. When it comes to Super Bowl rematches with the same teams and the same coaches, the coach that lost the first time is 3-0 and when they match up the second time. Just saying. History is on your side here.
0: Does that I... always work? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm only saying does that always work because, um, well, no, you, you make a good point. I, that might be so. I was thinking about something else because I was like, well, the Giants beat the Patriots twice, but I think they had a different coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, look. If, if that's something that, to make to make me feel better it won't it, it, won't, it doesn't make me feel that good <laughs> because because I I hope this Super Bowl doesn't become about the coaches because I feel it becomes about the coaches that leans towards Kansas City.
1: My official pick is going to be the chiefs uh 21 17. I think the chiefs win uh I think it benefits the league. If the Niners win, I like parody. Um, but at the same time, I also like a GOAT. And I'm, I'm a big fan of seeing singular great athletes just do be, be great. And, you know, I, you I'm bet. not a Mahomes hater. I'm not a Kansas City Chiefs hater. Um, obviously, I hate them when the Dolphins play them. But wow. Tom Brady taught me as a young football fan that you don't get a chance to see greatness – Often, And as we're starting to see that with Patrick Mahomes, um, I think that as football fans, we are potentially blessed to see Brady kind of give way to Mahomes and Mahomes have the opportunity to accomplish what Brady did on that level. And then who knows when we see that again, because you, you don't know. So I'm going Mahomes. I'm going to go Chiefs. I have no problem. And...
0: We'll see what happens, Mel. I I have no problem that. And look, if he pulls this off, it just elevates him in the pantheon of great quarterbacks because this is not the strongest Kansas City Chiefs team he's taken to the the, the playoffs or to the Super Bowl. Nope. This is not this is not an explosive offense. This is this is Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, really physical, aggressive, fast defense, but offensively. Patrick Mahomes is like, I'm going to take you on this long 15 play drive, and you're going to look up and go, We're already near the end of the second quarter. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's what he's going to do. Because and he knows- you
1: guys get the ball after
0: half. Time. Right, right. <laughs> that, that, that's what he's trying to do. And what I what I need is for for I need the look to me, it really is going to come down to the Niners front four. If they do their thing, it allows for Fred War Fred Warner and Greenlaw to do their thing. Um, I-, I know Warner's gonna play well, I know Greenlaw's gonna play well, but the upfront guys, if I'm not hearing Bosa's name, if I'm not hearing Hargrove's name, they're not they're not being effective. That means Patrick Mahomes is dictating tempo. And if he dictates tempo, they will control, they will win the football game.
1: Mo, great way to close out the week, sir. Take us to the finish.
0: Thank you guys so much. Everybody in the chat, we appreciate you guys so much Thanks for the support. Hey, Keith, appreciate you. We got merch, everybody. Merch. Check out all the great content we have to offer for you guys at Sports Empire Network. Check out the Empire.
1: Hey, make sure you come back here on Monday. We're going to talk everything Super Bowl. Uh, we'll talk about every all the fallout from the Super Bowl. We will talk about the Super Bowl ads. Make sure you check those out. We'll talk a little bit of Super Bowl foods all of that and more monday it's coffee and sports it's the morning show powered by sports empire network and we will see all of you monday morning
0: i mean you can see right now without lebron lakers are are struggling let me tell you about the team i hate all right i know the dallas cowboy fan is here
1: so i had to make sure he knew how much i hate oh i'm ready i've often said that People who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm Dr. Brooklyn, I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Brooklyn, hey! Hey, isn't he?